Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's nice to have you back. I hope you're well. Um, yeah, you know what? Same old, same old. We're doing our best to keep our heads above the water, not get too bogged down in all the shit that's going on. Um, summer will be, will, be, will be here soon. When spring rolls around, summer turns up. Such a beautiful time, isn't it? Lovely time. Um, I've been just running around gigging. Just what that's literally all I've been doing. Um, um, uh, putting some, a new show together uh, that I'm going to be taking around the country. So keep an eye out for that on all my socials. Um, my wonderful wife Kate is uh, her and I will be working on some stuff together. So again, keep an eye out for that as well. Um, she's she's doing very well. She's a lovely, lovely lady. Very, very patient and uh, funny <laughs> she's great and uh, good I hope you're great as well I hope you're doing alright uh, you know, thank you for listening to our wonderful podcast four years in nearly four years in how about that madness anyway this week's guest um, is uh, Peter Hogan now Peter Hogan I, I, is one of those names that had popped up over the years in various places because uh, I was a big, I used to read uh, Uncut magazine and Vox and, and things like that. So you know, people who know the show will know that I'm big on my music. Um, and also uh, in, with uh, comic books as well. He's written for 2008, 2008 D, amongst other things. Um, he's also got his own his own book, Resident Alien. Um, and you'll hear at the end of this episode, old Richie Wilson, who didn't quite do his homework properly. Um, uh, I, I do say to Peter, when he's talking about uh, Resident Alien and where we can find it and, and where it's available, and I say, uh, is there any any point, any, any chance of them uh, making it into a TV show or a movie? And uh, yeah, you'll find out what happened <laughs> at the end. It does remind me slightly of the man that once told Exy from Golden Looking Chain all about a record that he'd once released. Oh, God! <laughs> Called Newport. <laughs> yeah, not knowing that it was Wait actually... Wait the mic's open to bring that one up for you. Shit in hell. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Oh, God. Because I'd heard... Because the band I heard doing it, I thought they... I thought it was a pastiche and they'd reimagined... Yeah. I didn't realise yeah, that... Yeah, it was a bit of a, um, a thing on YouTube, wasn't it? I didn't know. Yeah. That's the thing, when I don't look at... It went viral, but nobody really knew it was... <laughs> them but it was their record yeah. oh so a version of it went viral but no um, one knew it was originally going yeah, looking change yeah. see this is what happens when you don't do your homework properly well, you, well, the thing or at all well, well I do do a bit no, I do yeah but this is the thing it's we talk about this in the episode don't we Paul where there's there's so much stuff you can't keep abreast of it all you can't there's too much of it so you're going to look like a prick now again yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was a TV show I didn't know uh, or uh, I didn't know but though, I don't watch a lot of telly, so... No, I watch none. And I work on TV. And you work on TV. Yeah. See, what, do you ever watch films and stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, films and streaming, but no yeah. no sort of uh, TV channels. Not really. I watched... I've been watching... I watch, well, if, if it's a TV show, it's normally because Kate wants to watch it. Mm. And I'll... Either she'll go off and watch it on her own, or when I'm not around, or I'll go, actually, no, I fancy watching that. So I watched that. Yeah, White Lotus was the last one. Jennifer Coolidge is oh my god I love that woman so much yeah and uh, watching a man get ketamine snorted out of his arse cheeks that was quite the thing anyway anyway so you'll hear that gaff at the end 
but yeah, it was a great chat with Peter. He's a, he's a really interesting dude. Chilled out. Really nice to talk to someone that's been involved in the things that I've grown up with. You know, like the comic books and, and, and music and things like that. So, coming up in a minute is Peter Hogan. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A podcast from producer Paul Dakota UK. I- Insane in the membrane. What a life you've had. I mean, starting off with. It's not over yet. No, I know. That's it. Yeah, I really sound like this is your life. That's the end now. Um, yeah, it's been incredible. Starting off with, I mean, I looked at that, the the thing you did with Pete Townsend. Yeah. Years and years ago. I mean, how did that come about? Did you know him? I did know him um, and still do for that yeah. matter, though I hardly ever speak to him these days. Um, yeah, well, what happened was I was a bookseller and I knew Pete and um, we were having uh, – there, there was a, a time where I sort of well, – I'd see him uh, once in a while for coffee first thing in the morning and we were having coffee and he had a plan some time before this that he thought about opening a bookshop and it had come to nothing. Um, and he had a small publishing company because he had a music publishing mm. company. He thought, well, I'm going to put out a few books, the stuff I like. Um, so he was doing that. And um, so we were talking one morning and he said, I'm thinking of reviving the idea of opening a bookshop. So I went, oh, yeah. And uh, later that day I was thinking, was he offering me a job? <laughs> I'm not sure. So I rang him up and said, look, you know, if you get it off the ground, I'm I'm very much interested in um, – taking part yeah so it took about six months but yeah then it happened yes and i ran that for a couple of years and then moved over to his publishing company and started editing books on rock music amongst other things Mm, yeah and that kind of pointed me on to the next thing after that yeah i think it's great i've i've said this many times on him i find i love music so much i've grown up with it and the, I've probably read the books that you've written. Which you is, you, know, yeah, you yeah. might have done, or you might have read yeah. books that I edited. You yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's quite a few books when you tot it all up. So. Yeah. So yeah, you, do you like your music? You're into your music? I do. Yeah. I still do. And I'm always discovering new stuff, which is great, because I know a lot of people my age just kind of stop. You yeah. Know, they're, they're, they're listening to the stuff they were listening to 30 years ago, but nothing new. Whereas I'm forever sort of, you know, hearing... I mean, every TV show, every movie has got a soundtrack now, so yeah. I'm forever discovering new bands, or new to me anyway. Um, and um, I still find it, you know, a real buzz when I discover something really great. I'm the same, yeah. And you get things that are... Sometimes comes a real surprise. I just heard the new John Cale album, right? and I'm going to go and see him live next month. And he's working with all kinds of sort of, you know, new happening, young yeah. music, musicians from right across the board. And he's made, just made this album. He's 80-something. Um, and he's made this album, which is one of the best that he's made in, 
you know, 30 or 40 years yeah. and, um, you know, certainly, you know, holds its own up against the competition. Wow. So, you know, plus, you know, every once in a while, you know, you just discover not necessarily a band, but, you know, you might discover, you know, a, a one-hit wonder mm. and, you know, whatever. There's a great kind of um, disco-y type band called uh, Confidence Man. Yeah, Got a couple of albums out. They're terrific. Um, you know, and it's a bit like sort of, you know, if you took Delight and Lemon Jelly and a few other yeah, people yeah, and mixed yeah. it all up in a bucket, this is what you get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's an assumption because as you get older, people just assume, like you just said, like you're only listening to stuff from the 60s or the 70s and the 80s. Well, and- I'm a, a, I'm of the opinion that re- uh, retirement is a very bad thing for people. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. And the people that I kind of relate to are the, are the ones that are still moving and still discovering new things, whether it's music or food or books or TV or whatever, you know. You know, be a shark. Keep Absolutely. Moving. Keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it because people, they spend their whole life working that same job and then when it's gone, that very quickly they kind of just disintegrate yeah. and just disappear. Yeah. When they put all their energy Not always, but Not a, always, lot but a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. And I find that horrifying because I always thought that was what was good, that was going to happen yeah. to everybody. But now I'm older myself. It kind of like you. You just kind of. I'm always on the lookout for new things. Yeah. And not, I'm not even. I don't even go out of my way to do it. No, no. I it's just, just do it. You just trip over them. Yeah. Know? I mean, nowadays, you know, it's it's like music's just coming out of a tap all the time. You know, so. <laughs> it's true. And going. I mean, I've been discovering a load of stuff from the '60s and the '70s and the '80s, and that I didn't know existed. Yeah. There's, there's so. It's there's so many. There's so much. Find it. it now. Yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is, is uh, you, you know, talk about the sixties, is that um, I mean, I used to uh, review CDs and reissue CDs and whatever, and you know, they're still sort of scraping up, you know, things that like bands you've never heard of and yeah. nobody ever heard of because all they ever did was record in their garage yeah but you know 50 years later, here's a CD of it and it's really good. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, now there's there's people I know in my lifetime that were brilliant bands that never went anywhere, but I know that there's a whole raft of stuff that they did yeah. that they never got to put out. So it's the same thing, yeah. They just didn't have access. It must have been so difficult back then. I mean, it's easier now. Yeah. Back then, you just, if you were lucky to have recording equipment, and then it just, that's it. There's nowhere to put it. Yeah. I think it got easier as it went along. I mean, that's what kind of what punk was about. Yeah, was you know you don't need fancy stuff. Um, you know, you four track, eight track recorder, and uh, you know keep it simple and off you go. Yeah, and then you know, and that summer of you know, well, all of nineteen seventy seven, there were just like ten good singles every week. Yeah, by bands you'd never heard of. Yeah, just doing it. Yeah, that's then that's what I think. I think people misunderstand what punk meant or what it means the word punk yeah they just think it's all you know spitting and and spiky haircuts but in but point it's, of fact there yeah. was very little of that yeah um you know and but but it opened the door for everybody you know for elvis costello for kate bush yeah. you know people were suddenly like okay we're we're tired of rod stewart let's try something new yeah. <laughs> um and so that's what you got and um but it was that I think what survives of punk was that kind of DIY ethos yeah. of you know do it yourself, do it now, get it out. Yeah, um, and that really changed the world. Yeah, I mean yeah. you know that sounds like a pretentious thing to say, but I think it did have an effect not just on music but on you know fashion, on all of the creative, yeah, all creative things. Yeah, I think that's like like you say like now with social media. There's loads of people that are doing like, TikTok videos. And like that. I know they get they get taken the piss out of, and oh, that's, that's not this is not. But they're doing that thing. They're doing that thing where they're recording it now and they're banging it out. Yeah, you know, it's the same sort of thing, but just a different medium. The trouble is now, there's it's just a you know a flood, a torrent of yeah. stuff. So nobody can keep up with it all. But you know, you still kind of can discover, you know. A, <laughs> 
you can discover enough things just by dipping your hand in the water once in a while, yeah. you know. Um, and um, and it's not really about becoming rich and famous anymore. It is just about being creative. Mm. Yeah. Because the odds on you making money are very slow. Oh, God, even, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's even, this is the thing. I mean, it's always been, especially in the, the, the music industry, it's always been shit. But now even more so, now we've got Spotify and all these other, you know, these other platforms yeah, yeah. that I don't know how any bands can afford to carry on unless they have that initial burst. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, the odds on making it big are slender. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the trouble with Spotify is you can't kind of um, put the genie back in the bottle. I mean, I think Spotify, frankly, should be dismantled and mm. the guy who runs it should be put in jail. But it's out there and all the kids, you know, are going like, yeah, yeah, it might be morally wrong, but we're going to use it because it's cheap. And you think, yeah, kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think every single musician I've ever met hates the bloody thing. Of course, yeah. Well, it's there's obviously a deal being made with the record labels. Yeah, it's the so record labels that are to blame ultimately. But I think it touches on so many things. Creators' rights and copyright and all of these things are being violated. And so, you know, there is... A lot of talk about you know with you know at a kind of governmental level in in this country and in the states that you know something needs to be done mm. to protect these people. Yeah, this is it. And you, you people say, well, I want them, I want my bands to carry on. You go, well, they can't afford it if you're not paying for it. Yeah, quite. You know, yeah. if you don't support them. Um, what are you going to do? I mean, this is the thing I always got. I mean, you know, back in the days of illegal downloading, which is effectively the same thing. Um, you know, I could never understand the logic. You know, if you like these bands, um, don't you want to see them, like, make a living? Yeah. You know? Um, put your hand in your pocket. Well, this is it. I mean, and I'm, you know, I've, I'm on Spotify, but, it, it but, but, well, I, you know, but I also buy records. Yeah. And I go and see the bands and buy the merch and things like that. So I feel I'm doing a bit, but I still feel bad that I'm using Spotify. But yeah. it's so great because it's all there. So I get why people love it. Yeah. Well, I think it should be, you know, like um, like it is with library books or the PRS. The PRS should be in charge of this bloody yes. thing. Yes, yeah. You know, so that, you know, if your record gets played on the radio, you get money for it. Yeah. You know, and it should be the same logic and work the same way. This is it. But I think what they do with things like Spotify is that they get away with the bare minimum that they can get away with legally. So it's like yeah. half a P for every Yeah, Yeah, no, and it's an insult. Yeah, yeah. If it was a quid, even if it was a quid, a yeah, yeah. they so many more people would make more money. Yes. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, um, I don't know. I don't know how you educate people, but it can't go on this way. No. It's got to change. But we, like you say, when you do talk to people about it and the, they just can't comprehend, they're like, well, why would I pay for it when it's there? Yeah. And you're like, well, then that's the issue, isn't it? It's not really with the people, it's with the people providing it. Well, I think people tell themselves lies about the whole thing and they're, they're quite happy to do that because it means they don't have to, you know, feel bad about it. But it's all this stuff of, all oh, bands could survive on touring. No, they can't. Bands could survive on merchandising. No, they can't. No. Um, you know, uh, you want music, pay for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's fun. And that as well, because vinyl is now increasingly popular yeah and what record companies now are doing are like you go and buy a new a new album is like 30 quid 40 yeah, quid no, you know like, you're doing it again you did this with cds it was like 20 quid for a <laughs> cd and then you wonder why everyone turns their back as soon as they there's another opportunity comes along because you ruin it you take yes. a piss yeah well at least you know downloading is a, is a legal downloading you know if you go mm. to itunes or you know anybody else the uh it, it's a much more reasonable price. So why don't you do that? Yeah. You know, you, yeah, can, yeah, you yeah. can afford eight quid, you know. Of course you can. I mean, yeah. I, do you know what? It's funny because I've got Apple Music yeah. as well, so I use that a lot. And, yeah, I was doing my tax returns, and I'm, I'm always like, oh, I'm always skint, or I can't afford that, and I can't afford this. And then I look how many coffees I've had <laughs> and how, many, how much money I spent in prep. Yeah. And you're like, if you spent half of that, You'd be fine. What are you doing? <laughs> you fucking yeah. idiot. You know, you could buy, yeah, so people can afford it. 
they can afford it. Yeah. And they should be made to be able, they should be, should be paying for well, it. Well, I think that was one of the things that Steve Jobs did. I mean, this is the guy who basically created uh, an MP3 player that was user-friendly mm. with, um, you know, it was the iPlayer, wasn't it? I've, yeah. I get confused the now. I, the iPod. The iPod, the iPod yeah. That's what, that's what I'm trying to think of. So he created the iPod, and, and to back it up, you know, he created iTunes and, you know, and got everybody signed up, mm. you know, got the Beatles behind it, got everybody behind it. And it was the, the thing that he was banking on was the fact that a lot of people felt bad about file sharing and illegal yeah. downloading and all the rest of it. And most people actually wanted to be able to feel good about themselves, mm. you know, in, in connection with music. So at least, you know, I mean, iTunes, you know, it's a, it's a lot less theoretically than people could earn from, you know, CD sales or vinyl sales or whatever, but it's a lot more than Spotify. Mm. And I think most people are kind of happy at that kind of level. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it does need it does need a big shake up because it's so, because it will end up people just won't be able to start bands or they won't be able to put music out. They'll be able to do. That's the thing as well. They're shutting down venues. All yeah, the, no, all no, the well, decent venues. That's been the case for a, a <laughs> yeah. long, long time. And also the thing of you know, I mean, I grew up with music in the you know late sixties and seventies and onwards. Um, you know, the late 60s, I mean, not only did we have free concerts in Hyde Park, mm. whereby you could see every single band of the d day um, for nothing, Yeah. you know, and then you think, well, yeah, I like these guys, I shall go out and buy their album, you know. it was. Um, uh, so there was that, but there was also um, you could pick up, uh, you know, Melody Maker or Time Out and see was, who was playing that night in any one yeah, of yeah, a yeah. dozen venues in London, I think, oh, I shall go and see this band tonight. And yeah. you could. You could just walk in. But that's spontaneity. But, you know, there's a lot more people around now. So, you know, that spontaneity thing died a long, long time ago. So now if you want to see a band that you like, you know, they'll stick up the advert. You know, we're playing in you know, six months' time, a year's time, you know. Uh, buy your tickets now. Yeah. And even that, the ticket prices... Yeah, no, and very often they're gone because, um, you know. Because there's touts have got there. So, well, not yeah. just that, but there's so many people, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a time when, you know, youth, youth in inverted commas, was in the minority, but now youth means anything between 20 and 70. Yeah. <laughs> and, and half these guys all want to go and see the band that you want to go and see. This is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do remember that. I remember, yeah, going, it's just turning up. Yeah, going to see bands at the town and country club and yeah, wherever. Just it was great, good, great. You know, the, the hope and anchor and just going. Yeah, there were a lot of places that there aren't anymore. No, and this is it. It's such a shame because there's that smell of patchouli oil always takes me back. Those <laughs> patchouli oil and shit, shit lager. It always reminds me of when I was yeah. going to see bands. and It reminds me of a girl called Mandy, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Very evocative. Yeah. But, you, but at least yeah. here we've got the Forum, you know. Yes. The Forum's a nice little venue. It's a great venue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are some. There's some dotted around. Yeah. But this is the thing with property developers, because it's all about the money, so they don't really give a shit. No. Of the history of a place. No. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the Forum exists is... Probably a small miracle, but yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. But I mean, you must have seen some changes. I mean, you were uncut for yeah. a bit, so you must see some huge changes. Yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, um, um, well, I mean, everything's changed. So I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin on that one. No, no. But did you enjoy your time there? Did I? Uncut was one of the was one of the magazines I always used to go to. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I I worked for Melody Maker and for Vox, and then for Uncut. And the guy that basically created Uncut um, mm. was uh, Alan Jones, who had been editor of Melody Maker. So he kind of drafted me in. But with all of those things, I did write about music a bit. But by and large, I found myself writing about. Um, 
movies mm. and comics and all kinds of other things. In fact, that's kind of what dragged me into the comics industry was really? the fact that um, there was a big sort of comics boom in the late 80s when things like Watchmen were happening. Mm. And um, so the, the people I was writing for said, you know about this stuff, go and interview these guys. So I did. And, yeah. and that kind of lured me into the comics industry. Did you feel more at home in the comics and movies? Well, the thing, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, I've always loved movies, so having, you know, a chance to see them for nothing and get paid for writing about it was great. Um, and in terms of, you know, uh, of comics, the thing about the music industry is it, it is very age-sensitive, mm, yeah. you know. So, you know, once you've reached, um, you know, your late thirties, you're kind of like looking over your shoulder at all the people younger than yeah, you, know, yeah, sort of pushing yeah. to come in, and you think, "Yeah, th my days are numbered here." So, uh, <laughs> whereas comics is one of those things where it really doesn't matter, you know. I mean, there are plenty of writers and artists working right into their seventies and beyond in some cases. So, you know, it's it's um, uh, it's less of an issue. Yeah, you're right. Actually, there is now. There's another surge of people into comics and and the movies, yeah, that are based around those stories and and yeah, like you say, it's ageless. Yeah, it is completely ageless. And I I it, it I'd forgotten how much I loved comic books when I was growing up. For some reason, I think I just got more into music later on and just kind of just went off and did that. But I got shown one of the it was a comic and I remember having it. It was not one of the first digits, it was one of the ones I had when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was just taken back. As soon as I saw that cover again, yeah, I was like, it just made me feel warm. And I was like, that's, I remember that. I remember buying that because I loved the cover. It was, and the rest of it was an added bonus, but the cover was what got me. It's a great art form. I mean, it doesn't always live up to it, but it's, um, um, there's something about comics that just that combination of words and pictures yeah. that really works, you know. Yeah, I love it. And it, I mean, I would rather sit and watch a movie than a TV show. Yeah, me too. You know, because it's done. I, I feel, I, I've said this before, I can't, I'll be watching a TV show and after a few episodes, I'm like, all right, yeah, I get it now. I understand what's happening. Yeah. I know where this is. I can see where, there's your surprise here and there, but. Well, I think that in some cases, you know, there are TV shows where it's like a 10-hour movie. And uh, and sometimes that works, and uh, but I'd have to say most of the time it doesn't. No, it doesn't live up to it. And then they, or what they do is they'll just go. There's one too many seasons or yeah. series, and you just go. You should have left this at, like with the the brilliant TV show Spaced. Yeah, which I loved, and which then, was what twelve episodes. Yeah, something like exactly. That. And then yeah. they left it alone. Yeah, and it was perfect. Yeah, and they haven't fucked with it since. No, no, it's true, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> But do you still do you, are you still writing for the comics? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, uh, well, Resident Alien, which is the thing that's been yes. I've been best known for, is still going on. Um, you know, there's going to a couple more years to go on that one, and then I probably will, mm. you know, wrap it all up. But you know, even then, and even though I'm sort of trying to write other things as well, there's still sort of I keep still thinking of you know. Um, ideas for things to, to do with comics and um uh, i'm probably going to be doing a kind of kickstartery thing later, oh, really? later this year uh, of some horror stories which has been great fun to do oh really yeah 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 yeah. so i think that's it like you talk about retiring but if the idea if the ideas are still coming then yeah why would you why would you stop no 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 i'll, yeah. I'll go with my boots on you know <laughs> <laughs> i think that's it i think you just have to keep like you said earlier you got to keep moving yeah there's only because society tells you that you should be doing this at that age and that at that age it's like well as long as i'm not hurting anybody i just no and I'm i think right. i think there are you know there you see some people and they do decline with age you know mm. but um but others can go on forever you know like Talking about earlier, John Cale, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's still doing amazing stuff. I know. I saw him at Latitude a few years ago. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. All these guys, Rolling Stones, the way they, I mean, I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily go and see them now, but the fact that they're still pirouetting around at, you know, nearly yeah, 80 yeah, years yeah. old is, yeah. 
Well, there's you know, uh, well a lot of that generation are still going. There, you know, the Who are still touring. Yeah, um, and um, you know, of course, in a lot of cases, you see a band and it sort of says, you know, so and so playing tonight, and then it's you realise it's one original member. <laughs> <you know. laughs> we went to see a friend and I went to see. Um, this must be oh no, um, six or seven years ago. There was a sort of sixties package tour, you know playing at uh, the Assembly Halls in Tunbridge Wells. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went to see them, and they were dreadful. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Where, you know, there's like one original member left. <laughs> and everybody was terrible, except for the zombies, who were fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, in fact, we've uh, I, I certainly have seen them another two or three times since yeah. then. They're just great. Love the zombies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That... Um... Yeah, oh, what's it called? What's the bloody the album called? Odyssey and Oracle. Or, Odyssey and Oracle. They did that yeah. live at the Palladium about three or four years ago. And oh, I, I bet that was incredible. I went, it was incredible, yes. Because they actually reunited that lineup of. Oh, songs. really? Yeah. So there was some, you know, there was one guy who hasn't, you know, been on a musical stage in, oh God, 10 or 20 years. Wow. And he was there. And the whole thing was just fantastic. Yeah. I, I found a copy of it years ago, about 20 years ago, in a shop in Bromley. And this is before sort of vinyl was kicking on again. Yeah. So it was like a fiver. And the bloke just went, oh, I've just been there for ages. Just, yeah. And it was in amongst all this other <laughs> stuff. And I went, well, I'll have it. And then, yeah, it was a fiver. <laughs> but I remember seeing the Yardbirds and Spencer Davis group in Chatham. That's a pretty good lineup, and it was brilliant. But again, you, I don't know who was who were original members and who weren't. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there was. There has to be. I think there was more of Spencer Davis group than there were of the Yardbirds. Yeah, but still brilliant. Yardbirds were incredible. They were. Well, it's funny when I was doing the bookshop working for Townsend, and yeah. um, when I was setting it up, you know, the publishers' representatives would come and see me, and you know, we'd order stuff. And there was this one, and a lot of them would sort of knew about the that it was owned by Pete, and so they'd yeah. ask questions about that. And this one guy came in and sort of said, "Oh yeah," he said. Um, um, we chatted about Pete for a minute, and he goes, "Oh, I used to be in a band," and I was like, "Oh yeah," and he says, "Yeah, yeah," and he says, "I was in the Yardbirds," wow. <laughs> and he was, he was, he was in the Yardbirds <laughs> for like six months or yeah. something. But you know, even so, <laughs> but all of these things, music, comic books. You know, these these are all things that I've realised now. I've surrounded myself by and and give me great comfort for one of another word. Yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, it's. I think it's. You know. Um, I mean, I I've always had this thing that um, I've basically turned all my hobbies into a living. Yeah. You know, which kind of changes the way you feel about them. But I mean, I still love music and comics and movies mm. um and long way it run absolutely do you find it do you find there's a pressure coming up with new stories because people do you know they get you're creating a, a universe yes and people get lost in that universe yes and if there's if it's a little bit not quite how they want it you know is that yeah is it, is it a bit, i, I know. think i've you know there's a famous David Bowie quote, which is, you know, never play to the gallery. You know, yeah. it's not about what people want. It's about what, you what think you're creating, a good story. you know. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, there's that. I mean, but um, but it's, uh, it's a lot less cerebral than most people think it is. Mm. Um, it's more to do with intuition. All right. You know, and yeah. you don't get like sort of, you know, a, a big idea. You don't get it all in one go. You get sort of, you know dribs and drabs over the course of you know quite a while yeah and then you sort of put it all together and stir it up and hopefully you've got something worth eating <laughs> <you know? laughs> have you ever done it i've done this before i came up with this idea and i was like oh this is great and i was i wrote it all down i spoke to someone else and went, oh, this is a really interesting story and i spoke to someone else and they went yeah this is ghost and i went <laughs> What do you mean? And he just read it. He went, well, you know, I went, oh, shit, yeah, it is. <laughs> I just changed a few people, but yeah. the, the premise was ghost, basically. Well, you could say that. I mean, you know, that a lot of stories are kind of um, uh, archetypes, if you like, or tropes. Yeah. Um, and... 
But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do something like that because whatever you're bringing to the mix is going to be different from what somebody has brought to it before you. I mean, Terry Pratchett used to say this thing about fantasy, that it was like a stew, yeah. you know. And um, uh, and what happened was sort of, you know, everybody who's ever done fantasy has kind of put their bits into the stew. And so you take some out, but then you put some more of your own back oh, in yeah. for other people to take. And I think that's true. I think it's true of a lot of things, science fiction. But there's all kinds of science fiction. You know, there's, there's science fiction. doesn't have to mean, you know... Um, I don't know, uh, lightsabers and yeah. spaceships. You know, it could be something set here and now and um, be all about just the ideas, you know. Well, that's, I mean, they say that um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yeah. was the one that opened the doors to science fiction. So they say. Yeah. An 18-year-old girl created science fiction because she was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I've been bored. Yeah. I haven't created anything. <laughs> Just made a mess. Yeah. Um, so, just do people like Terry Pratchett? Do they inspire you? Are they your? They the people that sort of got you into this? Um, well, I think one of the things is that I knew a lot of these people one way or another, certainly within comics, mm. um, and so, and it was a kind of boom period for comics when I started doing it. In, it ceased to be a boom period very shortly after <laughs> very shortly after I started. But it was one of those things that, you know, um, I kind of knew how it worked. And um, so I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, and other than that, the rest of it is kind of you learn how to do it while by doing it. Mm. Did you, you find it daunting, though, getting in when you were at 2000 AD, when something as iconic as that? Yeah. That must be quite. That must be quite nerve wracking. I didn't find that one particularly nerve wracking, no. but there were occasions where I was kind of following people um, like Neil Gaiman or Alan mm. Moore, who were friends of mine and who helped me a lot in learning how to write. Um, but nonetheless, it, it, they're a hard act to follow. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. No. Um. So you know, I gave it a go. Yeah. Because the alternative is you just kind of get over overawed by the whole thing and you don't give it a go and then that's the end of you. Yeah. You know, so better to keep moving I just, again. Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? <laughs> I think this has come up before, this theme of being open to things, saying yes to stuff. Because I know that's where I, that's how I ended up where I am. Yeah. And that's how I ended up. Like, I'm now sat with you having this conversation yeah. because 20-odd years ago I said yes to a thing. Yes. And I think that's so important, that positive... You don't even know you're doing it. You're just kind of, yeah. No, I think, well, I think when you've got the the option of saying yes or no, you why not say yes? Yeah. You know? um, I mean, even if, you, even if you fail, at least you've tried. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yes, that's it. That's where a lot of the upset comes from, is that frustration that, oh, I wish I'd have... If I'd have just done that thing. I've seen really talented people who have kind of bailed out on their own talent because they're scared that they'll be successful, not that they'll oh, be a failure. Yeah, It's just like if you're successful, then what do you do? You've got to keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. And those people that assume it's going to fail, so they'll just, yeah, give up on it. Like It's failing on your own terms. Yeah, yeah. Imagine how much talent has been lost to that. Well, I think the thing is – you know, there is a lot of stuff that is scary, but it's okay to be scared. Mm. That, um, again, shouldn't stop you. No. I think it's that. I think it's the, f yeah, I think it's a mixture of positivity and fear that pushes me on. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm always like, oh, yeah, that might, might, it might, that might come to something. Or that might be exciting to do. Yeah. Well, I think there is a, a self-help book called something like Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yeah. Um which, uh, I mean, it's a bit of a bumper sticker, but I, <laughs> I, I agree with the sentiment. <laughs> but I think it's that, it's it, when it's such a feeling of achievement. When you, yes, whenever you start anything new, there is, you do feel stupid and you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know where this is. But then in six months' time, you'll be in a, you'll be in a position going, oh, yeah, I got this. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful feeling of, accompl of accomplishment. 
Yeah, I think you do have to kind of, um, uh, I don't know, not get complacent. I mean, not try not to get in a rut, try not to repeat yourself. Um, just try to do new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you, and then setting up on your own as well. You're doing your own. Yeah, comic that must have been. Well, I think the something. thing is, I had done a lot of writing other people's characters. You know, whether it was 2000 AD characters or, um, well, I've done Captain America, I've done Batman, wow. I've done the Sandman characters, I've done some of Alan Moore's characters. And the thing about doing other people's characters is, you know what they would do or say in any kind of set of circumstances yeah. because you've got the example of what everybody else has done with them. Um, so all you really have to do is follow that. But the, um, I think I probably was scared about doing kind of, you know, my own things because in that instance, you don't know. You're finding out mm. as you go along what those characters would say or do. And, and that is a bit daunting, but, um, but I sort of quickly found out, oh, actually, you know, this is working, so keep on doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find now, what it, I mean, like you, you just mentioned some massive names there, and like you say, you look at what's gone before and you go, well, I know what these characters do and say and how they react in certain situations. But it seems now what they're doing is reimagining a lot of these characters. Like there's essence of what was before. Yeah. But now they're making them more, especially with things like Batman, well, I think the trouble is, is that you know these are characters that have existed for a long time, and the the superhero um, end of things in comics is is about kind of endless reboots. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, we need to kind of you know completely reinvent it, or you know now Superman will have children, now Superman will leave Earth for another planet, and so on and so on, and. Um, Maybe it's just because I've seen so much of this stuff, but I look at it and I just go, I'm tired. You know? <laughs> this, this doesn't really interest me. What I would like is like, do I want to read a Superman comic? Yeah, but I want to read a good one. Yeah. You know, I want to read, you know, um, you know, I mean, it's the monthly thing. It's the sort of, you know, endless stuff with, and this huge continuity. And, um, and it's just, I just got tired with it mm. long ago. You know, I want a story that's got a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah, that's well done. Yes, that's why I like the movies. Yeah, yeah, no, no I know exactly. Yeah. I like. I, I think Marvel's movies have gone off the boil somewhat, but certainly, you know, the first kind of wave of it up to um, Infinity War, mm. um, it's like they almost didn't put a foot wrong. Yeah, and what my feeling was, was like, this stuff has replaced the comics. You don't need the comics anymore. Yeah, right. Because the continuity in the comics is like, nobody understands it. No. They were talking about, is it canon? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah, I don't know. What it's like, there's, you know, 60 years of it. Yeah. And, you know, and frankly, the first, you know, 15 years of it is, is the good bit. <laughs> <laughs> after, after that, yeah. it just turns into a mess. But... Um, So, but I think the I think the films will hit that problem you know, well, it just, as well. Yeah, and I think they're yeah. starting to do that. Well, it's all the I'm I'm having now. Like someone said, well, my wife uh, in the lockdown, she watched she watched all the Marvel, all the Avengers one, all the Marvel films in order as they're supposed yeah, yeah. to be. And I was like, okay, and. So I said, and did that help with anything? And she went, not really. She says, they're all, they are all, they're really pretty much the same. Mm. There's the bit where it starts and then there's a quiet bit and there's more fighting. And then, it, and it, but it always follows the same framework, isn't it? That kind of like, yeah. all hope is lost and they storm the castle. Yeah. But I think there, you know, there are some that are better than others. I think the first Captain America film is pretty much perfect. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the Ant-Man movies are fantastic. Yeah, uh, and everything else is kind of bringing up the rear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, I just see it as all the same. And I know that everybody, I know there is that 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 structure that everybody uses that you know to put a film together. So there's the bit where everyone meets, and then there's the bit, and then, and then they, they misunderstand each other, so they yeah, fight, so they and fight, you're... and then they realise what's happened. So there's that bit again where they storm. There's always a rush 
through traffic to to find each other again. And yeah, but so I like it when a film a film comes along, and yeah, you've still got that structure, but it's it's so beautifully hidden. Yeah, like I love um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favourite films. Yes, that was very nice. Well, I like yeah. all his stuff. Yeah, um, you know, some more than others. But uh, but it's uh, again. Um, I'm really pleased that um, Everything Everywhere All at Once has just got nominated for yeah. 11 Oscars, which it deserves. And But the public kind of uh, took that on. Somebody made the comment the other day that, you know, uh, people are sort of, you know, using the word multiverse left, right and centre yeah. now. And they, they're doing it because they've been educated by, by the Marvel movies yes. that, you know, such a possibility exists. And so, having had that, that made that movie possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember when I watched when I watched that a little while ago, and it was it's the the first time in a long time where I've just been sat going, "What the fuck is going on?" But, but that's you, a but good film. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I think that that's always been the thing that you know Hollywood tends mainstream Hollywood tends to be formula. Yeah, and whereas you do get American indie films. Um, you know, for really for that feeling of way, I don't know what quite what's going to happen here. I don't know mm. how they're going to work this out. And you get that with English films and Australian films and French films and yeah. blah, 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 and American indie films. But Hollywood is like, no, it's you know, it's got to be this. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. you can you can kind of predict pretty much everything that's going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. <coughs> but then Hollywood is crazy. <laughs> I loved uh, the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. I haven't seen it. Ah, oh, I'm not going to say it. I loved In Bruges. Oh, In uh, Bruges is fantastic. But um, yeah, the Banshees doesn't really appeal. As from everything I've heard about it, it just sounds depressing. It's it's it, yeah. Make sure you're in a good mood when you're watching it. Yeah, it's uh, I. It was one of them. Like we, I kept seeing it. And I'm like, oh, because yeah, I love Brendan Gleeson and Colin, Colin Farrell. Yeah, brilliant. Like the guard with Brendan Gleeson. Have you seen that? No, that's in my to watch. Ah, oh, you still haven't that. got around. It's, to it. It's just dim. He's brilliant. But it, I find if I'm feeling a bit, if I if I'm feeling shit, I'll just stick a film on and just get lost in that. And yeah, that's the thing I do love though. Now that there's so many, there are, yes, there. Are, I feel like you were saying earlier, there is too much stuff, and there's no way you're going to keep up with all of it. No. But what you have to do is just like just remain calm and just you'll find bits and bobs <laughs> that you'll find. Yes. Because I found um, a documentary on the author John Healy okay. called The Grass Arena. And it's it was his story. The book He wrote the book about when he was homeless for, for 15 years. And the book is, is incredible. It, the, the things that you don't realise how horrible it must be to be homeless and in that yeah. environment. And he describes it perfectly. It's awful. And the book became a big seller. And he went on to be like a chess champion as well and turned his life around. But then he threatened his publisher. Yeah. And then they just went, right, that's it, you're done. <laughs> and so the documentary is about the fact that this book was once like, it's like it's touted as one of the best books ever written. Yeah. And yet this guy, no one's ever heard of him. Yeah. And that, so that's that's one of the things I did discover, which was brilliant. And I'm glad it exists. Now I've read the book and... I've spoken to his people. We're, we're going to do a, have a chat next week, and you know, it's just that wouldn't have happened, you know, twenty years ago. I would no. have just not heard of it. Yeah, I think there there is. Um, it's just the speed at which stuff comes past you. You can't pick up on everything. No, but um, uh, but like you say, you know, I mean, you shouldn't get stressed out by that. Just you know. Keep calm and keep reading. <laughs> keep calm, whatever. keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, as well, you've got, you've got, you've got, you know, Audible now, so you don't even have to sit and read. You can have the book. No, on. a lot of people are like that. Yeah, um, uh, I, I personally can't cope with that. No, um, no, no. It's, it's one of those things. It's, uh, you know, I mean, people keep telling me Radio Four is great, and I'm like, you know, sure, I can see why it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, you know. For me, if you want my undiverted attention, I need to have the visuals as well. Mm. Otherwise, you're just interfering with my thought processes and go away. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I find it it's easy. I like having it on 
like if I'm at the gym or I'm off I'm off to a gig somewhere. Yeah. And I could just sort of look out the window and have have the story have the person that wrote the story. Yeah. Telling me as I've just been listening to a lot of George Orwell stuff. You know, down out in down yeah, out in yeah. Paris. That's the thing. I've listened to what I've read two back to back books about being homeless. Wow. It's fucking depressing. <laughs> yeah, I know. May- <laughs> I think you need to change. Some, some nice fairy tales. I need to, yeah, that's what I need. That's what I need to get back into the comics. Yeah. <laughs> but you do, did you see, have you seen the uh, the movie adaptations of things like Judge Dredd? And- I have, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they did two of Dredd. Um, yeah. And the first one, yeah, didn't. Really, with Sylvester Stallone. Well, it was miscasting, but that's yeah. they, they wanted Hollywood, they wanted that money. Um, the second one, um, I thought was okay, you know. Um, they're supposed to be doing a TV show, but oh, really? Yeah, I found the second one was, yeah, more in keeping with, yeah, because he didn't take his helmet they're off. They're doing a uh, Rogue Trooper one with um, um, Duncan Jones helming it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. So, that could be interesting, yeah. Because he did Moon, didn't he? He did Moon and uh, various other things. Mm. He did, um, oh, what's it called? He didn't write it, but he did direct a movie called Source Code, which is fantastic. Got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. And it's kind of, um, it's a bit like a sort of science fiction Groundhog Day. Mm. Um, uh, Well worth tracking down. Yeah, yeah, Source Code. Yeah. I'll have a look for that. So do you find, I know when I'm, I get hit with inspiration at all various times. So I have to have, I'm lucky now we've got phones, but years ago when I started in comedy and I'd have an idea for a joke, and I'd go, I'll write that down in the morning and it'd be gone. Right. So have you got a notebook around all the time or you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but this is everything Excellent. from sort of, you know, buy more chips through to, you know, yeah. the big idea. Yeah. But if you don't, I find if you don't write it down, it'll get lost. I mean, so many times I've encountered people who are going, mm. you know, sort of, oh, I'll remember that. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. You, know, you don't write it down, it's gone. Yeah, so many and times. And it might come back, but it might not. I always, what has happened is that I'll wake up in the morning and go, I remember I had an idea. Can't tell you what it was. Couldn't no. do it, yeah. So now there's either my phone or we've got a book. We've got a book by the bed. Yeah. And just just scroll it down. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the only way. But yeah. then but then you have to go through the notebook. Oh, I know. Yeah, then that's a whole <laughs> other job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so many f- notes on my phone and I'm always, like the minute, that when you turned up, I'm, that's a new show that I'm writing. Okay. I'm telling this festival that I'm going to be doing. And they wanted a quick blurb about it, so I was like, you know, just quickly. But I've got notes on my phone that, yeah, I'm going to have to, I will go through it. <laughs> it's just effort, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to be able to knock it out in one go. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have, occasionally you'll have a moment, won't you, where you just, it just feels like the, the story's just tumbling out. There's some, yeah, it's rare, but I mean, sometimes I get, uh, something will work to the extent that um, the ideas are coming faster than I can write it down. Mm. Uh, or you'll f- get sort of, you know, the beginnings of an idea for a story and then it's like the whole thing just gets downloaded into your head. Yeah. Like, whoom. <laughs> you know, it's like sort of sticking extra rooms onto your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put all this stuff in. <laughs> I get sometimes though if I've if a joke comes too easily, I have to Google it and I'm like, have I heard this somewhere? Because like, this is too perfect a joke that's appeared in yeah. my head. It must be from somewhere. And I've been lucky. Lucky there's been a couple of times it hasn't been, but there's always been. I'm like, oh yeah, that's an old Dave Allen bit. Yeah. You know, from when I was a kid that I've completely forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you can rework things. Yeah. Make them yeah. modern. Make them your own. You yeah. Know. So what's happening next? What's, what are the plans? Just keep doing what you're doing? I've got to go shopping. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, I've got sort of a lot of things that are kind of half developed. Then now, now I'm just going to sit down and sort of start being methodical and yeah. finish them. Do you find it easy when there's a deadline? I know I do. <sighs> In some ways, yeah, because um, there is. 
I mean, there's always that thing of sort of, you know, financial necessity, but, mm. you know, but yeah, I mean, if, if people are screaming at you, that can help. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of that yeah, has kind of um, not been something I've really had to deal with for a few years. It's probably going to go back to that. Um, but largely, you know, my, you know, my editors are happy with me. It's like, yeah, yeah, we've got loads of time, you know, just take your time, doing, send it when it's ready kind mm. of thing, which is in one way great, but in another way, you know, a bit of a spur does help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find, yeah, if there's someone that needs it, then I'm, I'm a bit more fired up. But even then I'll leave it to the last minute. And suddenly yeah. I find I work better under pressure. Yeah, but also the thing with deadlines a lot of the time is people lie, you know. They say, oh, they, want, yeah. they, say they want it on Friday when they really want it on Monday, so you, you've got another weekend, you know. <laughs> I don't need to know that. No, but you, you learn that you can bend things a little usually. Producer Paul's nodding and laughing as well. There's a man that's squeezed every last drop out of the, the deadline. <laughs> oh, mate. But well, this has been lovely. Okay, really nice. Yeah, no, it was and, fun. Um, so, where can we find your where can we find your stuff? Uh, well, any comic shop theoretically, uh, you can find Resident Alien and um, and other things as well. Um, the Resident Alien. Let's see. There's the seventh book is currently coming out in comic form and will be out as a book in the spring. So there's seven paperbacks. The first three have been collected into an omnibus and the second three will be out in the second omnibus, which will be out in May or June. Mm. Is there any plans to develop it into a movie or a TV show? Where have you been? No, it is a TV show. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's, oh it's, my uh, god, I've not done my I've done not done my homework. TV show is very different from the comic, but it's, yeah. it's still very enjoyable. Um, and that you can find on Sci-Fi, and yes, it, and it's on Now it TV, yes, and various other places. Yeah, um, my apologies, of course it is. And they're about to start filming the um, third season. Really? Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. It must be nice to see it, see your work amongst all the other, like everything else. It's just... it's very odd, um, you know, sort of seeing people wandering about pretending to be people that you've created. It's very odd. <laughs> um, you know, but like I say, it, even though it's nothing like the comic, it's it's very enjoyable. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm good with that. And most people seem to enjoy both. So that's kind of all you could hope for. I think that's it. If it's like, again, with the, like with the Judge Dredd movies, I think people were really upset that it didn't stay... It wasn't true to to the comics mm. and the character that we that we knew and we loved. And I think if you manage to get Resident Resident Alien and people, the, the, the filmed versions is very much very similar to the to the books. That's what keeps people. That's what people want. Yeah, you know, it's when people go, "Oh, this is based on this." Yeah, and you're like, "Well, they're the same characters." Well, I think, is- yeah, I mean, you know, we've obviously discovered a you know a whole new audience through the TV show, and probably a lot of those people don't even realise it was it was a comic first, but. Um, but it's got a passionate following, so mm. hopefully it will run and run. But, you know, again, we're back to the fact that Hollywood is crazy, so <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. Peter, thank you so much. It's My been pleasure. amazing. Thank you. Insane in the membrane. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Made by DarkHorseDigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.